Headspace Studios is supported by Factor. Y'all, eating better is so much easier with Factor. These ready-to-eat meals are fresh, never frozen, chef-made, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week. And they've got something for everyone, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to really make it your own. It's easy. They're delicious. I recommend it. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com headspace50 and use code headspace50 to get 50% off. That's code headspace50 at factormeals.com headspace50 to get 50% off. Hi friends, Robin here, and I have got a game changer for you. Maybe you're like me and you're feeling the winter blues right now. Well, let me tell you about my recent game-changing experience with Brook Linen. I decided to shake off the cold and give my bedroom a complete makeover. How, you ask? Well, with a spring bedding reset, thanks to Brook Linen. So trust me, okay, transforming my room from chilly to cheerful, it was completely simple. All I did was I treated myself to a new Brook Linen duvet and talk about a mood boost. It's like a color refresh for my entire bedroom space. I had no idea that changing linens could make such a big difference. So let's talk about Brooklinen's magic touch, okay? From luxe sateen to classic pre-kale, there is a sheet weave for every type of sleeper. And can we talk about their award-winning sheets made with long staple cotton? I'm talking about saying goodbye to restless nights. And the best part is that Brooklinen's new sheet patterns are inspired by the colors of nature. And and you know what? That makes it a breeze to just bring vibrant energy of spring right into your bedroom. So whether you're starting fresh or you're spicing up your current setup, Brooklinen's customizable bed and bath bundles, they've got you covered. Plus, you are going to save up to 25% when you bundled. Yeah, you heard that right. So let's kick off the spring refresh together. Visit brooklinen.com, that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, and you're going to use the code DEARHEADSPACE for $20 off your order of $100 or more. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use promo code DEARHEADSPACE for 20 bucks off. Your bedroom's going to thank you, and so will your mood. Happy sleeping, folks. <laughs> Hey everybody, Robin here, and guess what? I am so excited because today on Dear Headspace, we will be answering your questions about the difference between self-care and selfishness, how to manage health conditions mindfully, and dealing with negative thoughts. I gotta tell you, as an often negative thinker, I can't wait for that one. So let's get right to it. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit with a meditation teacher and we answer your questions. Hi, everyone. 
I am excited to be sitting here with you for another episode of Dear Headspace. I'm Robin Hopkins, and today I am here with the other R, Rosie. Yay, thank you so much for having me again. This is so much fun. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Well, I feel like we need to just like fall right into this episode. I am going to take us right to our questions. Our first question today is from Ahmed. Here we go. Dear Headspace, my name is Amit. I'm from Australia. My question today is, in this journey of discovering yourself, discovering self-love, self-compassion, and all the self-words, how do we know when we are looking after yourself and when we are actually being selfish? Where is that line and how do we know? And can we ever know? Or is it just all blurry? Thank you. This brings up a lot of things like boundaries and and what's a boundary and what's, you know, like what's selfish. I think that's a really fantastic question. Yeah, it's I mean, truly, I personally think there's a it's a, there's a world of difference between being involved with self-care and being selfish. Right. Yeah, I, I think with self-care we're tending to our needs. We're ensuring that we're emotionally and mentally and physically balanced. It's the, the airplane rule, right? When, yeah, you, yeah. you know, the, ma- the oxygen mask comes down, you have to help yourself before helping others. Because if you're not at your best, you can't give your best to those around you. I, I come from this place where culturally in, in Hispanic culture, self-care is a luxury. Yeah. I'm not saying like a blanket statement that, you know, it, everybody thinks this, but generally most people see things like meditation as a luxury, going to take a yoga class as a luxury because there are a lot of, and not just Hispanic people, lots of people who are working to make yeah. a living and to support their families. And yeah, I've, I've had this struggle with you know, people even in my family where I'm a meditation teacher. Some people have health issues. <laughs> meditation might help you. A yeah. yoga class might help you. But there's this resistance that exists with their own maybe limiting beliefs. I'm speaking to my family specifically. Yeah. yeah. Or their not wanting to experience the guilt that they may have by focusing on themselves, right? So like selfishness is us focusing on our own desires uh, over the needs of others, Yeah. right? So when we think about that, you know, when we are being selfish, our actions are negatively impacting those around us right? And we are just focusing on ourselves. So yeah, I don't see how self-care practices is me taking care of myself, me doing a mindfulness practice is going to negatively affect the people in my life, right? Right. I, I'm with you 100%. I do have to say a little bit of a devil's advocate. I was journaling the other day and my son has this new thing he's obsessed with that he he's learning these tricks with this little trainer thing. And he really wanted to, he's been saying to me, I'm so glad we're going to learn these together. And he wanted to, he wanted to show me one. And he had been trying to show me it the night before I was cooking. He had been trying to show it to me later. I was finishing up a work thing and then I was journaling. And in fairness, I was journaling in the living room, which I try not to do because it's like, like if they see you, you're available to them. 
So your son essentially interrupting your journaling time, is that upsetting to you? Like, yes and no. I know better than to do it in the living room. I don't like to do it in my bedroom because I work out of my bedroom. I sleep in my bedroom. So I like to go someplace else in the house. So it didn't really upset me because I recognized why it was happening. Right. And you could also state that you're in the middle of doing something. Oh, I mean, that's what happens a hundred times. And I know that, which is why, like, I should have made a different choice. And I do think underneath it, there might be a little bit of me trying to have it all. I want to stay there and nag them and make sure they get all their stuff done and be present. And I don't want to get up just a little bit earlier. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you, you, there is no such thing as balance. You know, when people say a work-life balance, it's not existent. Let's, let's state that first of all. Yeah. No, it's journal or help them in the morning. Both things can't happen. Not well. They can't. Well, they can and they can't. Like you get to decide what it's your life, Robin, right? You get to decide. You know that for yourself, you enjoy the journaling process uninterrupted. You know that, right? right? Yes. So you have this now practice that you know feeds you. It makes you feel connected. It makes you feel good. You have these thoughts. You're a creative person. This is part of your your passion. And that feeds you. That is a self-care practice for you. For sure. A hundred percent. Right? It fills your cup. And so you have this short time that your kids are going to be this age, right? Exactly. And so you're trying to fill your cup while simultaneously also filling your cup. You want to be able to, like you said, nag them and be able to like, you know, be mom and tell them and watch them and and that's okay. And I, I don't think that you trying to find that flow is a bad thing. I don't know that it's this is a good or bad. I don't mean, I think we're just essentially having a conversation about you perhaps feel, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I'm listening to you say, there's almost a sense of guilt of you doing that unless you wake up early so you're not missing anything. So if you do that while they're in the middle of them going to school and you're journaling, you're missing out on something else, right? So you feel, okay, what I need to do is wake up extra early so that I don't miss anything and I'm able to do all of the things. And that's okay too. You know, that is totally, you've, you've seen the dynamic and you've figured out a solution to the issue. Yes, you're absolutely right. If you wake up a little earlier, you can do all of the things, problem solved, the end. But I think that it's really important for you to, when that doesn't happen and you want to get your journaling time and to not feel bad about the fact that you're doing it while simultaneously interacting with them. Right, right, right. So it's, so if we're, if we're taking this example out to Ahmed, it's because what you just did with me was really brilliant. You were like, well, okay, well, what are the barriers? What are your feelings about it? Like, is someone saying to you, Ahmet, that you aren't present because you are always off journaling or meditating or at some retreat or you're spending, or do you have a partner who is saying you're spending all your money on silent retreats and we should be saving for a vacation? But, you know, like, what's the thing that's coming up for you? Like what Rosie did with me. And then is there a solution where you can find some balance? I think it can be helpful 
if, you know, again, because we don't know the circumstances for Ahmet, but it can be helpful to communicate why it's important to you and what it does for you in your life so that maybe people will provide you more space. Agreed. Because it also is, who is the feedback coming from? Is it coming from you, just like your personal guilt? Is it coming from someone else? You know, because I, I may have people in your life that aren't supportive of growth. You know, it's like I always think of sometimes if you have a friend that you always got ice cream with and you lose weight, they're not always thrilled that you're losing weight because that is like a like the, there's like a look at themselves that they maybe aren't ready to look at. And it's not that there's anything wrong with any particular weight. I'm just saying if you using it as an example for going, you know, making some type of a change and, you know, so where where's the feedback coming from? Is it internal or is it somebody else? And because I think that's important to consider as well. Agreed. Just a fantastic, fantastic question, Amet, and we're so glad that you shared it with us. And woo! And now we're going to move on to our next question. This is oddly placed woo. Um, our next question is coming from Jane. Hello, my name is Jane, and I live in the UK. My question for you is this. I've been using meditation for a couple of years now. How do I use meditation for health anxiety? I recently had a diagnosis of celiac disease and I was wondering how can I use meditation to help me monitor my condition. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, I love Jean's just little, you know, that that very well could have been a, a sad feeling question and she was just like, thank you. You know, like that's what a what a lovely energy to be coming with a very hard question. Jane, I relate to you so much. Fellow celiac here. Hello. Welcome to the club. Um, I am sorry that you got this diagnosis, but there definitely is so many ways to manage all kinds of chronic illnesses and issues with meditation. It, obviously, it's not a magic pill. It's not something that's going to cure you. But I think that when it comes to meditation, we can use it as an empowering tool for our experience, right? So the experience of our symptoms, how we can manage that can really improve our life. It can really improve how we navigate the ups and downs of whatever it is that you're going through. So meditation really allows us to tap into that inner resource our, our coping mechanism, healing, resilience, yeah, yeah. you know, all of the things that we can utilize as a way to move about this. So I love mindfulness as a way to reduce stress. So, yeah. you know, I think there is a big difference between stress management and stress mm -hmm. reduction. Oh, do tell, do tell. Yeah. So stress management is just how do I manage the fact that I'm stressed out? I'm I'm moving it from one. Imagine it. It's like a cup of hot tea. Stress management. You're managing that hot tea cup from one end of the room to the other. And you're moving it from that room to the bathroom, to the kitchen, to the office, <laughs> to your car. And you're just like managing just it wherever you transporting go. Transporting the hot tea. Everywhere. Exactly. And stress reduction is you holding this cup of hot tea and sitting with it and Ooh. holding it and 
doing a practice to understand all of the cycles that you're going through. It's, I guess the general philosophy is you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. Right. So me holding this hot cup of tea, I don't have to like it. I just have to do it because by me holding this cup of hot tea, what happens? What happens to the hot tea after some time? It cools down. It cools down. And we get accustomed to it. In the beginning, all we're doing is focusing on the hot heat on our hands. Ow, this hurts. It's really hot. Ow, ow, ow. I want to put it down. Yeah. But after you hold it after a while and you're just focusing on the sensations, knowing that it's not going to burn you and you're not going to get scolded. Sure, you don't want to drop it all over your lap, but you're just holding it. After a while, the sensation begins to shift. Like, you know, we have this idea that going into something that feels like it's going to hurt scares us, right? It scares us away. I don't want to focus. Oh, I'm in pain. I have back pain. And sometimes I wake up and it's really painful, like really, really painful. And I would do this practice where I would lay down and put my attention on that pain. And I would do you know, the, the typical type of practices that you do, you know, you start with mindful awareness, you do a body scan and you begin to cultivate acceptance. Those are the three basic ways of doing this. So I would sit there, I would feel into it. And the thing that I noticed, and this is general for most people that do this type of practice is you start to see or feel or sense the pain begin to move around. It's like, It goes from, ow, this hurt to now, oh, my right leg or, oh, now it's going up to my shoulder. Yeah. It's interesting how just having this curiosity of the state that you're in, of the pain that you're in can really allow us to cultivate a different attitude towards it, right? So one of the mottos or, or one of the intentions they tell you to set before doing any any of these types of practices is to practice skeptical curiosity, right? So, and that's, yeah, I knew you would like that. I'm like, you know, I was like, ooh. Yeah, skeptical curiosity because we have to be skeptical. I'm I'm a realist, right? You know where I come from. You know how I grew up. Like, I am not a, if you tell me something's going to fix something, I'm going (laughs) to completely be skeptical. I don't believe you. If somebody tells me they have the answers, I already don't believe them. You know, I I have this natural skepticism, which is really good, I think. Yeah. I love people that are skeptical because, you know, like attracts like. But what I do find is that in that skeptical curiosity, there's this embracing of the not knowing that happens, right? where no matter what a person thinks is wrong with with them what they believe is is right or wrong with each person there's this non-judgmental awareness that begins to happen and there's a lot of healing in that right when yeah. we're talking about stress management versus stress reduction i mean that that really is is the key yeah you have celiacs. So how do you manage this in a mindful way so that it's not causing anxiety for you? And I think that the biggest help for me was to always prepare in advance. Anytime I was going somewhere or was doing something, I would sort of pre-plan my experience because for yep. me, the, the food issue was 
was a big issue. So I had to just be very mindful about what I was doing throughout the day and making sure that I was getting enough physical activity, that I was getting enough sleep. And I think those were the, and along with doing a meditation practice, you know, doing a mindfulness practice, being able to be practice presence, noticing your breath, doing body scan meditation. And and you can use the technique from uh, an MBSR program that systematically takes you uh, focusing your attention to different parts of the body. Cultivating acceptance is another really great way. It doesn't mean that you're being passive about where you are in your health journey. It's really about allowing yourself to respond to your state with more wisdom and less reactivity and to just know that this is a diagnosis and you can manage it and you can navigate this without having the anxiety. Well, Jane, this was just a wonderful question and and we send you, you know, like vibes as you because it is like like you said that the celiac is a journey and and we you know as you figure out what works for you what doesn't work for you but it sounds like the mbsr would be a really wonderful place to start okay so let's go to our last question from shravani dear headspace my name is shravani and i am from hyderabad india my question is related to different schools of thought when it comes to mindfulness in headspace generally we suggested not to judge the thoughts but let them come and go irrespective of whether the thoughts are positive or negative both during meditation and outside as well but there are other schools of thought where it is recommended to notice the occurrence of negative thoughts and change it into positive ones without completing them for example when i'm about to think i can't do it i don't complete this sentence and rather think I can do it. I end up getting conflicted with these different types of teachings. Especially now that I have been meditating for a few years, I wanted to explore more schools of thought and meditation practices. What is your opinion and suggestions on how I should go about it? Thank you and have a great day. Well, now that is a fantastic question. That is really, I mean, this is going to be in your wheelhouse, Rosie, and I'm going to be listening. Shravani, you kind of answered your own question uh, within that question, which I think is absolutely lovely. And look, uh, just to give you a quick answer, I will elaborate, but just the quick answer is, yes, there are many schools of thought and you should absolutely explore different meditations, different ideologies that might resonate with you. And I think that you should do do them all. To me, it's like, <laughs> do what works for you. So if, if I was going to list off the different schools of thought that I know, cognitive behavioral therapy is one. I talked about stoicism, positive psychology. There's um, mindfulness, uh, self-compassion. Those are all different schools of thought, I would say. They're different ways of practicing turning the negative thought patterns around or sitting with them, right? It's like with mindfulness, we're taught to acknowledge the thoughts, but you don't engage with them. You you see them and you stay in the present moment and you don't get caught up in them. You just let them flow. You know, Andy talks about this all the time too. It's like you just 
don't get caught up with it. You let it flow. You, you watch it passing by like, like cars on a highway, right? Uh, for cognitive behavioral therapy. And I'm not a psychologist. I hope that we all know this. This is I'm all sure everyone from- knows this, but neither am I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, but, but I've been studying this for more than 20 years and I've been practicing and teaching for, for a long time. And I'm, very well aware that there are so many tools out there for us to pull from with self-compassion, which has been the last seven years, has been my favorite way of eradicating negative thoughts, befriending yourself, treating yourself with kindness, recognizing the negative thoughts and knowing that it's part of our human experience and just treating yourself like you would a dear friend. That was one of the hardest things I have had to do, one of the hardest practices I've ever had to encounter myself. So it's been the practice that I've been doing, but I like to do hard things. You know, that's yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm part of that, like, oh, this is difficult for me. I should stay here for a little bit. You know, yeah. Mindfulness yep. is now a little easier for me. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna stay here and watch this. Oh yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that hurts. Oh, that's painful. Or oh man, yeah, I'm really disappointed. That's oh yeah, look at oh there it is. You know, it's it's there, there's that feeling. With self-compassion, I actually have this internal dialogue where I recognize my disappointment and I say, Hey Rosie, I don't call myself Rosie. I just it's more <laughs> like, hey you, you know, like hey you. I see that you're really upset and I'm sorry that you feel that way. You know, like I I could see that this meant a lot to you and the fact that this didn't happen is really upsetting, but you didn't do anything wrong and and I love you and you're going to be okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like think about how you would talk to one of your children, you know, like you we don't have that internal dialogue, especially with negative thought patterns. We go straight to like, oh, I I messed this yeah. up. Yeah. I shouldn't have done this. I stink. Or, yeah, yeah, I I must not be good. I suck. I'm a Every sucky time writer. I do this. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't be doing this. Why am I doing? Who do I think I am? We go into that place, and more often than not, that's going to cause a huge rift in your harmony. Yeah, and you know, for me, th- th- this is one that I I stick to quite quite often in the last couple of years. So you know, there there are many different schools, but. Shravani, I would suggest for you, choose what works best. And it's okay to switch it up. You can you can decide to do positive psychology. You know, when negative thoughts come up, you balance them out by focusing on your strengths and gratitude and what you're positive about, what you're excited about. Or you can decide, oh, one day I'm going to do mindfulness. One day I'm going to do this. It's like, at this point, we are so overwhelmed by the negative imprint that is instilled in most of us. Yeah. That we just need to do and find what works. Yeah. It's so it's so interesting what you're saying. And it reminded me of like like studying an acting method. Like you might have trained like under Stanislavski, you know, or or sense memory. And just because you studied that one style doesn't mean you can't pull from other styles. And then ultimately you take what works for yourself and then you make it your own and it becomes, then it becomes almost your style. It sounds like what you're saying for Shravani is 
explore, you know, take what take this style, take that style, take what works for you in any given moment. And, you know, what's working for you today for, say, pain management, like may not be working tomorrow for a, a mean boss, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's it's so true. And, and I look at this the same way that I look at when people ask me what type of meditation they should do. And I always say the one that you'll do. Yeah. So many poignant and just important ideas in those answers and those questions, Rosie. I mean, these are these are big life questions when you're talking about selfishness and negative negative thoughts and handling health issues. It's just big questions. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. The human condition, the human experience, it's it's a lot. And that's why we're here. We're here to support each other. We're here for each other. That's why this community is here and and I just I love it. Absolutely. And 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 that's what's that's what's so amazing. Like, I love when we talk about the community that is being created here. And it's like, so every time when I get to this part where I'm like, you know, if you've got a question, I'm thinking about the community that's out there and like that we're connected to. And we want your questions. We, you know, we, we want you to to trust us with them and, and send them in to us. And all you have to do to do that, it's actually, we've made it really simple, is go to sayhi.chat slash dearheadspace. And I couldn't remember that, so I wouldn't ask you to remember that. It is in the show notes. And if we use your question in a future show, you're going to get three months of Headspace for free. Um, and I think that's a pretty wonderful thing. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's completely wonderful. And I'm, again, so grateful to be here and to be a part of it. And one more thing, as you know, each week, we like to leave you with an opportunity to pause and reflect on what you just heard here. And it's a time to transition from this moment to the next in your day. So as you listen to some recorded sounds of the ocean on a pier, let your mind do whatever it wants to do. Until next time, stay happy and stay healthy and be kind to each other.
Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohn, Baron Farmer, and Danny Crissimi. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, Eve Lewis Prieto, and Rosie Acosta. Post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Merguia. And a special thanks to Colleen Lutz.